Good afternoon and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. And it's a special episode today, given it's 30 years since Everton last won the league. 1986-87 season under, who else, Howard Kendall. Well, the stat books are out, the history books are out, and I'm joined for this special episode by sports editor The Echo, David Prentice, and Royal Blue regular, Big Gavin Buckland. It really is a remarkable kind of thing to think it's been that long since Everton last lifted the first division. But already I can sense, looking at Preno and Gav, the nostalgia is well and truly flowing. It's quite scary, actually, 30 years. Uh, but talking to Gav on the way in, uh, and he was saying it seems like yesterday, and I wouldn't go quite as you know recent as that. It does yeah. seem like you know, only a short period ago. And now we were just like, as we were sitting down there talking about so many names and so many games and so many players, because the memories of that season were incredible. Because it was such a, for me, great achievement to win the league that year. 85 was, you know, for me, the greatest season I've ever seen. That was just absolutely astonishing. You know, loved it. Walked out as good as an honour. So many games. This was, uh, I don't know the, the, the right word to use, but it was a more managed title campaign because of the injuries that Howard Kendall had to overcome. And we were just not sitting down there. I think the players that got title medals that year, yeah, Kevin Langley's and Paul Bobby Mims, Paul Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me, comparing the two. Yeah. I get more satisfaction out of this one yeah. than the 85 one for two reasons. The first one, as you say there, is that, I mean, it was a masterful performance by Howard. I mean, no, that, that, was, that was his peak yeah. as a manager. 85 wasn't, 87 was the peak yeah. for me as a manager. And he, he's only like, slightly, he's only 41 then as well, Howard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that. And for two reasons, there's, there's that reason, but it's the second, it was because we'd lost a double the year before. Yeah. to Liverpool and you know I think what we forget about 85-86 and times what Benno say we had a load of injuries in 85-86 we yeah. had actually had no right to be anywhere near the top of the table then yeah. um, it was a similar season injury wise because the, the midfield quartet hardly played from 85 hardly played in either season yeah. um, well, Paul Bracewell was like just missing yeah. full stop wasn't he hardly played in those two seasons so you've lost You've lost the double to your closest rivals, and then you go into the following season. Yeah. And against the odds on the playing side, you then win the t- you know then win the title yeah. back. And th- that to me, those two reasons are why it's a more satisfying title yeah. winning eighty-five. Because we're always going to win it probably yeah. after Christmas. You just knew you're the best team in Europe, you know. Can I just throw a little anecdote in here? You t- talking about injuries and just reminding me one of the greatest exclusives I, I got for this play- paper, cutting me hair. Uh, Paul Bracewell had been missing for ages um, with an ankle problem and he, no, no one knew what had happened to him. I went to this, uh, it was quite a posh uh, hairdresser, not a barber's. Oh, uh, South yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for the Southport Viz and I was flush with money. Um, <laughs> and this girl sat down, you know, so lovely uh, blonde thing, you know, so chatting away and she, you know, cutting me hair do you know what you do so I work at a newspaper you know you know, talk, oh, what do you write about football that's right so my husband plays football and I was waiting for her to say you know one of Southport football clubs players something like that Paul Bracewell you might have heard of him and I said oh heard of him he says you know absolutely love the guy you know magnificent footballer you know my Evertonian as well as a you know a sports journalist oh yeah he's away next week I said oh yeah what's he up to he's going to San Francisco for career saving surgery on his ankle <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sorry <laughs> so straight into the office Phil McNulty who was uh, our daily post uh, writer then dropped the story in his lap he got the beer the benefit for it yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, that was how I chanced <laughs> upon my first proper exclusive. Was that just to get a big tip off you though, Dave? Because I'll make the money. She did, know? she did. Yeah, so no. I think I think that was the backdrop to the season. And I think the other point that you you touched on there this morning, Prenna, was selling Lineker yeah. during the summer. Um so you you're selling the golden boot winner at the World Cup. Where'd you stand on that? I mean Howard would always say yeah. and always did say that the results justified the means. I.e. He relied less directly on his pace and balls over the top, became more of an all-round football team and the goals were shared round and they won the league. But for me, you can't sell a footballer of his calibre for, you know, even though it was a massive, you know, yeah. mark upon him. Yeah. If you're ambitious, and I don't think they should, despite winning the league, I think they should have kept holding him. He didn't want to go. He said that many times, yeah. he was happy to stay. Yeah, I think also as well, to make it worse, they never got a buyback clause, did no. they? Um, yeah, so you, you know, you sold, you know, somebody sold, you know, it's like selling Lukaku now, isn't it? You know, 40 goals in the season. Yeah. And how I can say that, if it had not happened, then you may have got criticised and you would have still had, you know, you would have still had Lineker yeah. if you, you've kept him. But the other signing was there were two signings, wasn't there? We were both key players. In eventually, was one was Paul Power. Yeah. And <laughs> anecdotally, um, when he said about anecdotes, I remember where it was when I found out when he signed Paul Power. It was at Lord's Cricket Ground. Yeah. Me and my mate were there. We watched Middlesex against the New Zealanders. Yeah, the players were in the straw. Those were the days before the internet. And like we're looking through the paper, like at the bottom yeah. of like. You know the penultimate sports page. Evan had just signed Paul Power for sixty-five thousand. Look, he's like, yeah. why the, the hell did he Paul Power? Yeah. He's like, well, was he? Is. So hands up here. Was, did he not have a great reputation? Very much so. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. he was seen as like a Manchester City stalwart who would like yeah. you know had a great career, right. come to the end, and you know Howard picked him up for the sixty-five Gareth Barry grand. type, maybe or even even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that that would be a good analogy. But yeah. he yeah. was outstanding yeah. because of the number of injuries that season. He started off playing left midfield, I think, because Sheedy was injured at the start of the season. Then when Sheedy came back, he dropped back to left back because Van der was injured you know, the other way around. And he played every single minute of every single match until the title was clinched. And then he sat out the last two or three games, yeah. scored at Man City, and you know yeah. they didn't celebrate. But oh, he was yeah. top class. He that was. Season. I mean, and I think yeah. he brought. He was a bright fellow, wasn't he, Paul Powers? Yeah. He was like what's known as a good pro, and I think he brought that sort of experience to light. And as you say, with a few young players. Starts of the season was probably yeah. needed, and the other one, of course, is is how about Waggy, in in the August just before yeah. the uh, the first game, wasn't it? Um, and because I think like Derek had been injured the the year yeah. before, and I think Howard wanted to tighten up the uh, defence, and I think he was offered he was offered Teddy Butcher, wasn't he? Um, for the switch and Howard said because Ipswich had just been relegated, yeah. and Howard didn't want him because he had he didn't want two left left footed centre halves. So he, he went to Norwich and um, they'd just been promoted as well, yeah. I think. And he bought Waggy for, I think, was it, was it 900,000? Yeah. It was a record for a defender. Yeah. Him and Steve Bruce had been the central defensive partnership there. And imagine how good that was. Some yeah. defence, that is. Oh, it? Yeah. He won the League Cup, didn't he, in 85, was yeah. it? Yeah. And uh, I remember um, Ken Brown actually talking about the, uh, the signing. And saying yes, you know, so he can go, but it's like having my right arm cut off, you know. So I'm so sad to lose him. And I've spoken to Waggy a number of times, and he said that he would have been quite happy to have seen his entire career out at Norwich. He said he wasn't especially ambitious as a footballer, uh, scouser, but you know, just he had a good career down there, was enjoying life down there. And it was only when Howard came in, and you know, he had an opportunity to play for a club that were potential champions, that you know, he said, well, okay, I'd be daft to say no. 
so he turned up there and eventually became, you know, I suppose, legend is absolutely apt in this uh, instance. Absolutely. But it took a long time to win over the fans. Yeah. They? they weren't happy to begin with. I think there was, there, was, oh, yeah. there was a couple yeah. of things going on there. I think, first of all, he was replacing Derek, who was a fan's yeah. favourite local lad, scorer of vital goals. So that yeah. was the first thing. Second thing, dare I say, was the fact that Waggy had started at Liverpool, Liverpool as well, yeah. You know, yeah. which is not necessarily the best starting point. And I think also as well, he played a slightly different system what he plays at Norwich, had needs defensively. And I think those sort of two or three things, it was it was probably, you know I mean, I think he got dropped, didn't he, mid-season for, yeah. for six or seven games and Derek played the centre-half. I think he came back in, in, in the new year or late 86. It was only when he came back that you saw the player that he later became. And, yeah. and him, you know, I was thinking about it on the way up. Him, Ratcliffe and, and Southall are both then that sort of defensive triangle and that's the most the strongest we've ever had. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean... I think 86, 87, where we were, we were definitely defensively better than what we were in 84, 85. Uh, I think we only conceded 31 goals, I think, in 42 yeah. games. I think the following year we conceded 27. Yeah. You know, that's when they were at the peak, you know. And I think um, I think Waggy was, I and mean, it was a score of goals as well, Waggy, vital goals. Um, but he... Um, he, yeah, he took time to settle with Team Strange now when you think about club legends, you know. It, it underlines what a curmudgeonly bunch of Sevastonians can be yeah. because Gary Lineker was exactly the same and for exactly the same reasons uh, because he replaced Andy Gray, who I adore to my dying day, you know, love that guy for what he did at Everton. You know, people raise eyebrows now because of things that have happened subsequently in his you know, career as a presenter. Uh, but just what an infectious, enthusiastic footballer who, again, scored absolutely vital goals. If it was a cup final, Andy Gray scored. You know, yeah. that always happened. And he was being replaced by Gary Lineker. And so it took a while. You know, the fans weren't happy with Lineker at all. And I think there was a game that he himself earmarks around about Christmas time, I think it was. It was Man United at home, 3-1. It was like a dive in Edda. He scored another later in the game. And he finally felt that it accepted him. So, I mean, that was the previous season. But it did, you know, fans took a time to warm to it. Yeah. But, so just to, to then to put that into context, he, he then went on to become sensational goal scorer, didn't he? And then we'd sold him. Yeah. Like, was there anger at Kendall? I think there was there was a bit of disquiet on the fact that he'd sold Lennox and then bought a defender yeah. with the money. Can you imagine if Koeman sold Lukaku and then yeah. brought in the defender with the money and then didn't yeah. buy another yeah. striker? He, and, and so he sort of, he, he never bought a striker until later on in the season when he bought Wayne Clark. And, and so if you think with, about uh, who, it... With all respect, he isn't fit to really... No, no, but he did the job, the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, um, probably not fit of Lazer's brother's boots as no, well, no, to be no, fair, Alan. No, no. He was a great player. Um, and I think... I think that was the, 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 the one of the things with Waggy as well is that you sold you sold the striker yeah. and you you brought a defender in Howard, you know, and I think I think he wanted to tighten up the defence. And, and that's he, why you think that's such it. a masterstroke that he yeah, I think had the so. strength of character to do that. Yeah, I think so. I mean how as I say, this was Howard's peak season. Yeah. I mean you, you I don't want to draw comparisons with Leicester last season, but it, there is a genuine comparison in that if you have a look at all the squads who've ever won the title ever, you go through them and most of, most of the players you recognise or and or have played all the season. Yeah. If you have a look at that season now, yeah. it's like it's full of players who, who never did anything but played 10, 11 games. And and those players who played 40 games, or so, as Perno says, didn't play the normal positions. I mean, I remember Sharpie playing left midfield at Southampton. Yeah. Well, yeah. go on, let's do it then. Let's go yeah. through it. But, just looking at the book, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there are like 
some standout. Bobby Mims was the goalkeeper for, like, for the first 16 games, and he was decent, Bobby Mims. I know people, you know, raised eyebrows and for some bizarrely blame him for us losing the cup final to Liverpool in '86, and it's wrong. You know, he couldn't have done anything about any of the goals. Yeah, I think he kept six clean sheets in a row when he came in yeah. as well. He was only beaten by the one at Oxford, Oxford wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, he was he was a good, solid goalkeeper. Obviously, not in Neville's class because Neville was reaching his world-class peak. Yeah. He wasn't there in 87, I don't think, but I think from 88 through to about 91, he was absolutely untouchable. Uh, but Mims was you know, in goal for the first 16, and then Nev came back. Alan Harper literally played the entire season. As you just said, Gav, he started at full-back. He then moved into number 10. It's got on his back here, presumably midfield. And then, you know, so further back again, played defence in a couple of games. Yeah, Paul just, Power, You just mentioned presence. about Harper. Um about um, Harper because he's another one he came from Liverpool yeah Harper in 83 hadn't he and, and he took a while to win over the fans and he, he was brilliant that season in fact I think he may have got the supporters club player of the year didn't he I think should we talk about his goal at Chelsea yeah but I'll come to that in a minute but yeah. I mean there was, there was a point I think in the March before the Chelsea game yeah. where Reed had come back in, hadn't he, in the February, and, yeah. and he just wasn't the same player. He died, remember, he died as air black, hadn't he, yeah. Fell, yeah. Like, and he just, I think he played the one game, he could yeah. see the tide coming out of his head. Like, you know? yeah. And I think before, it was, before we played Arsenal, and, and Reed had come back in instead of Harper, yeah. and he, he'd not, he was a shadow of the player he'd been, and, and I think Howard took him to one side and said, you're going to have to put on performance at Arsenal, because if you don't, yeah. Alan Harper's had a great season in your place, I'm going to have to... Uh, have to bring him, bring bring him, bring him back, and and in the end, he ended up playing both, didn't he? And yeah. at Chelsea, which is probably which is the key game in the season. Possibly, I'd go for uh, Arsenal. Yeah, because that's the day. Yeah, no, yeah, Arsenal, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the key day of the season. Yeah. But I think the yeah. key game was that we went top. Yeah, and we, um, we I was a member of the game. It's absolutely team and down. Um, it's on YouTube as well. Yeah, you can yeah, see the guys yeah. now. Goodison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I also remember like we getting off the coach and we'd take can't have smell gas around here. And it was the world's biggest gas cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, <by> <laughs> that, that was a day when Chelsea yeah. was not a nice place to go yeah, to. No, it, was, it was a very yeah. unpleasant away experience. Not like it is now. No, yeah, yeah, no. And it's like we we were winning one nil and about seventy seven minutes they equalised, I think it was Kerry Dixon equalised. And and then you know like Bit like Nev Saver from Falco. Kerry yeah. Dixon had a bullet header, and Nev, Nev Parry was a great save. Yeah. Parry's it out, and then we break up. The, I think Kevin Ackliffe took the ball from yeah. the end of the pitch, and it came back to uh, Reedy. I think it was Reedy really squared yeah. it to Harper, yeah. and he struck a fantastic shot. I was like behind the goal, you know. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, you say about remembers yesterday. It's just goals that stand in your memory, like you know. And just remember seeing a bullet in. And um, Keeper, no, 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 it yeah. just went right over it. I think it was Eddie Nitzbeck, he was in goal. No, I, I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, um, he was Neb's mate, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then, then about a minute later, he even struck a more tremendous yeah. shot after that. It hit, hit the top of the bar and ballooned up. And it left the, the, mud, the, mud, uh, <laughs> the mud mark off the ball was still on the, uh, on the, the, crossbar. On the crossbar for the rest of the game. Yeah. And then, right at the end of the game, don't you see it? it was, you know, things you forget, like. It was actually moments of comedy goals where uh, we we broke away, and uh, Reedy got taken out, and it was a clear penalty. And then the ball went through to Trevor, uh, just to rise to rise the penalty. It finished brilliantly past yeah. the the, the, uh, the keeper, three one. Everybody thought, and then 
Look at the referee, and he's put. Hey, he's didn't allow play on, and he's given us a free kick. Even though Reed was about oh, like no. like two yards inside no. the penalty area, and we went top that day, didn't we? Yeah. And I always liked that going top. Is like we scored. We took the title effectively. Took the title off Liverpool at the same goal, the same ends where they'd taken where the title off. Scored, where yeah. scored twelve yeah. months before. I never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, and I always liked that. That that. That's like symbol, yeah, that's um, well, I always remember the, the, yeah. the nicknames that that goal spawned because uh, Alan Harper, all of that's called him Bertie. No idea why, but you know, I think it's because that licorice all sorts. Yeah, the felt he like ran like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the fanzines called him Mooncat. Again, yeah. I've no idea why. But after that goal, he became known as Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was just yeah. incredible I stuck it's just such a well, great you goal. mentioned that the Arsenal game that was quite important wasn't that, it for yeah. me that was pivotal because um, Arsenal you know where Arsenal they were like you know a decent side obviously not quite what they became in later years but still a very very tough place to go and uh, Liverpool were playing Wimbledon at home and Everton went down there 1-1-0 with a Wayne Clark wonder goal as he had just been brought in uh, John Lucas Lukic was in goal and uh, made a clearance. It landed to Wayne Clark just inside, you know, the, uh, the Arsenal half. Lukic well out of his goal. And you're thinking if he controls this quick, he's got a shot here, and he did. Controlled it dead and just dinked this absolutely gorgeous lob, you know, over the goalkeeper. I was working for the uh, the Daily Post back then, and uh, we had a guy called Arthur Lamu there uh, come to the uh, Post from the Daily Star, a bit of a, a layout whiz, and uh, we got some great pictures and images of that goal. Yeah, a and he said. You know, I can't when we begin to do his voice. But you know, he says that's got to be your back page, but that's got to dominate the back page. Everything else, just strip it out. And we just had this huge, big, massively deep picture of Lukic looking over his head yeah. at oh, this ball, just like dropping Love over to his see head. That. It's, oh. it's a great, it's a great photo. It's a that great isn't it? image. Yeah. And so that that had happened. And then obviously Wimbledon, who were the perennial party poopers, had, you know, gone to Anfield that day and won two one. And so the title turned on its head that day. In the day. space of a four, because yeah. I think. I want to talk about Christmas and January yeah, yeah. in a bit because we were fa absolutely fantastic there. But just to put in context, we were nine points behind Liverpool in mid-March, where we had two games in hand. And we spawned the win against Charlton. I don't know if you remember it, but I know where... Is that right, Gary Stevens' miskick? Yeah, yeah. Where, one of their lads yeah. cleared, went into a block tackle with Gary Stevens at the edge of the penalty area. When it was late on, it was one all, yeah. And it bloomed off Gary Stevens' right leg and went straight into the goals and got, it, yeah. is that the game where Snowden, Snowden got, got sent, sent off, off yeah. nice little anecdote there because obviously we know Snod's very well and um, that was in the days when we were allowed outside the changing rooms uh, after the game to like try and get players interviews and Snod's had been sent off and like was waiting in the dressing room absolutely simmering and after the game players obviously like went down into the dressing room we trooped down as you, as you do as a you know, press waiting outside. Next thing you see Snod's absolutely steaming out, hammering on the Charlton the chestnut room door, trying to get in to batter whoever it was that he'd had the bust up yeah, it was with. He just yeah. lost it completely. Yeah. He was dragged away, dragged back into the dressing room. And you know, days when, you know, confidences were respected and you know, looking at each other going, Oh my god, what's going on there? <laughs> anyway, Snod's came out later and gave an interview and you know said, oh, I hope you don't write any of that, lads. I was silly, I lost lost it. But it was just yeah. absolutely bizarre. So that's where <laughs> <laughs> fill him in. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the god two bless weeks where it, it turns was that we were nine points behind. We beat Charlton two one and Liverpool played on the Sunday at Spurs and got yeah. beat one nil. So that made us six points behind. So we've still got two games in hand then. And then on the Saturday, as you say, we played Arsenal and Liverpool played away at Wimbledon and we won. And then uh, Liverpool got beat at home by Wimbledon. Because the other, the other thing about that, because I was at Ivory, um, was in the second half, like news, it's like pre internet stuff. We got out that Wimbledon, Alan Cork scored at the yeah. end, didn't he? Uh, 
22-1, I was like, everybody's like doing that. And like, I remember Howard was getting interviewed that, that night after the game and, and he said, uh, so Neil Poynton came over to take a throwing by the dog out, like, you know, he's only just joined, hadn't yeah. he? Like, and he said, when he came up to me, he said, boss, boss, why are all our fans cheering? We've already got a throw in. And he's just like, just like, he'll learn, he'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and, then, and then, so then we were three points behind the two games yeah. in hands. And then we won one at Chelsea to go top on goal difference. Yeah. And then we were never headed. And, and the other benefit of that weekend was Liverpool lost the... Uh, the final the following the following day so it was all sorts of change yeah. in that fortnight but I'd, I'd like to talk about plan you remember this the period before then which was the problem we'd started off the season well but we had a bit of a slump when you know when you've got a few injuries new players yeah, yeah. and you have like they're up for a bit and then you tail off a bit and I think we lost three games for the first time with the Howards around yeah. the September time. And we, we lost the Screen Sports Super Cup final. Yeah, it's a little bit bothered about yeah. <laughs> Because it was Liverpool. And yeah. But, and then we were sort of tread, tread water and then never come back against Wofford in the memorable game where Derek scored yeah, two. Derek yeah. scored two. Own goal and conceded the penalty in the same game. <laughs> and But all of a sudden around November, I think we drew the derby, we went on like, and it's the best... The best I've ever ten game, ten eleven game period, and it's the best I've ever seen any ever seen play. Better than eighty four, eighty five, and I'm not having that by the way. But I know, yeah, I'm yeah. No. Oh yeah, it's the best I've ever yeah. seen any ever seen. I, I think that period of ten in a row, eighty four um, five, eighty four five, in eighty four, yeah. when um, we were, you know, was it when Liverpool and Man United were beaten? Was that part of the eight or nine, you know, games? Yeah, in a row? yeah, yeah. I get that with with that, but it was I, just the quality of football then. And Adrian Heath was actually at his peak, and yeah. he'd have become an England regular, but for that injury, oh, and yeah, Andy in, Gray wouldn't have got a sniff. In yeah. in would have in then. I don't think I've, I've seen many better Everton players, yeah. if at all, as an outfielder yeah. when he got injured. Yeah. But that that the reason why I say that is in eighty six, eighty seven. We were a bit more expansive away from home yeah. than what we were in in the eighty four eighty five. Well, there was the Newcastle game on Boxing Day, yeah. the famous four 0 yeah, yeah, which I never saw yeah. because uh, you know what happened to us, Greg, on the uh, on the way up there. Oh yeah, the yeah. Car yeah. broke down on the uh, the M sixty two, and we ended up having to. Uh, I don't know. If I told you this, plan. We ended up five hours schlep across the Pennines on Boxing Day yeah. while Everton are producing the best ever away <laughs> performance of the house. got to, we got to, we ended up in Leeds. Yeah. And the thing we get a train, couldn't get a train, you know, and because uh, there's no trains, obviously. And I said to him, "Wait, can your dad give us a lift home?" He says, "Well, the good news is he can." And the bad news is I've not spoken to him since Easter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. we, swift we reconciliation. Yeah, the swift reconciliation. Yeah. He came to. But if you see those results there, it's like three, four, five, three, four, five. Yeah. And the four 0 at Newcastle was just they were just fabulous. Yeah. And I, I mentioned before you beat them in in the full members club out there t- setting aside the trophy that the trophy it was I mean well, it was just unbelievable Yeah. and and also as well um, Sam Amman said for years that the best anybody played against Wimbledon when he was chairman was we beat them 3-0 in the December at Goodison yeah. and he said for years that was the best anybody played against them yeah. and we were just absolutely fantastic home and well, away Can you just, just ask what was our tactical setup then did we have one that we stuck to or were we flexible and that's yeah. what people talk about now, isn't it? You know, yeah. Well, no, it, it was it was it, yeah, was, it yeah. was an old-fashioned four-four-two, but as um, 
Howard, so Jackie Charlton, the Newcastle manager, had described it in the 84-85 season as the best balanced team you'd ever seen. And that was Howard was always big on his balance. And so you'd have Peter Reid and Paul Bracewell, who were, if, if you like, you're holding you know, midfield players that allowed Trevor Stephen and Gary Stevens to bomb on down the right, allowed Kevin Sheedy to do what he did down the left. Vanden Howe was a fairly attacking you know, left back. Yeah. He used to get forward. And then initially, you'd have Graham Sharp up top. And Adrian Heath was like what you'd call the old-fashioned you know, number 10 behind him now. And he was just outstanding until he got the injury. Andy Gray came in. And Andy Gray became effectively a strike partner and was so good at what he educated Graham Sharp and made him a better player totally. Obviously, Gary Lineker the season after that. Then 86-87, because it changed so frequently, because Paul Wilkinson played so many games, because Graham Sharp played so many games. Wayne Clark ended the season, you know, so playing up there. So it was was mix and match all the time. But it was old-fashioned 4-4-2, if you like. And uh, some of the interviews I was listening to the other night on Merseyside, and they were talking about um, how they played a very high line. Right, because uh, okay. they could rely on Kevin Ratcliffe's pace to enable them to do that. Um, what does that great book that's uh, you know being brought out recently by Simon Simon Hart, yeah. who taught, interviewed Colin Harvey, who basically was one of the the pioneers of pressing, you know, the pressing game. Yeah, and he, he'd actually picked it up from Don Howe, and uh, Don Howe effectively invented it. And uh, you yeah. know, he says, you know. Your natural reaction when a ball is played over the top is to drop, to mark that man, you know, sort of watch for space. He goes, don't worry about that man. He says, press the ball, press the ball. And they say, what happens if, you know, the ball's like, you know, knocked over the top? You've got Kevin Ratcliffe's pace, he can sort that Gary out. Gary Stevens' Gary Stevens' yeah, pace, yeah. very quick defenders. He goes, but then if you can nick that ball, he says, you've then got a two-on-one, and he's taken yeah. out of the game. And, you know, puts you in a really good attacking situation. And Emerson became absolutely masterful at that. I mean, Bracewell and Reed, you know, led it in the middle. And there's a great, actually, instance at the 86 semi-final at Villa Park, where you see the pair of them actually link hands as they chase down yeah. this defender. And it was just absolutely great to watch. That's a great game, actually. Never mind your gag impression yeah. yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, so they did, they'd actually, you know, it was different, yeah. but yeah, they, they pressed the ball very high up the pitch. Uh, you know, more often than not, won the ball back and then had players of the quality of Sheedy and Stephen. Their delivery from the flanks was absolutely outstanding. And it was old fashioned crosses into the box. So it was very much from the flanks into a centre forward rather than. Very much so. Your midfield was agricultural, if you like. I think going, I don't want to get on to eighty four five too much, but I think when Inti was playing before Christmas, it, it was more through the middle, wasn't yeah. it? It was more like say Dortmund under Klopp. Yeah. You know, why I always think that they played like, you know, like sort of like at pace, break break really quickly, but you know, move through the middle but press. And I always remember, like, the one instance I remember of how the press was the famous game at Spurs in 85, April 85, when we won 2-1. And I realised got the ball. I was, I, was, I, I was in the way, and it was literally right in front of me. And I realised got the ball at the edge of their penalty. And Ozzy was an absolutely brilliant player, yeah. like, you know. And four Everton players surrounded him, like, <laughs> sort of, like, in a square. Yeah. And the only thing he could do was to kick the ball out for a corner yeah. to us, even though he had the ball on. And he's a class player. Oh, well, yeah. I, I think yeah. this was one of the best players to play, you know, league football the last yeah. 30, 40 years. But he was just shut he down. Just, he was just shut down. He had nowhere to pass. He couldn't pass anywhere. The work rate was absolutely phenomenal, yeah. yeah. But I think 86, 87, it's probably tied into this, is that I think because they had different players... I think that the, the style was slightly different. Mm. I think they played a little bit more expansive, especially away from home. 
where previously Howard liked to play, didn't he? Like 10 yards either side of the halfway line and really compressed the play. Mm-hmm. And so he got Reed in place for the as you say, nicked the ball off because Reed he couldn't tackle, couldn't he, yeah. because of his injuries. And then, then as you say, Plano was saying, but I think 86 87 was a bit more away from home, was a bit more expansive. And Kevin, 4 4 though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin had came in, he played different in the 86 87 mm-hmm. because Reed and Brace Rob are out. Kevin played in the middle for most of the season and I think he had that maybe because he had a few injuries there, there was always that thing wasn't there Preno that like Seed he was like a little bit of a featherweight but yeah. you know he didn't really fancy it but that season he was our outstanding one of our outstanding players so he played centre mid yeah he played centre mid yeah. for a lot I never knew he... that Newcastle yeah. game he played centre mid yeah. and he, would, he... would he not like sort of drift no 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 because Powell would play Powell yeah. would play left as Preno was saying it Powell sounds like asking you know, Messi's playing the right oh, wing. No, no, he was fantastic because and he, he could he could his he ability could, to spot a pass. Yeah. yeah, he could stick he could stick his foot in as well. Yeah, she, which was probably maybe not as well known to people as what it should yeah. be. And he, he he was brilliant that season, and he, he produced um, going back to that golden period, the end of November to to January. You know, one the, of the great the goal against Leicester or the goal that Inchi scored well, his pass. Fact that you yeah. mentioned too yeah. the chip against Leicester, but yeah. it's still probably. I don't think I've seen a better goal on the ground than Adrian Heath against yeah. Norwich. If you, I don't know if you've seen it, Greg, where they're standing at the edge of the penalty area, trying to play offside, and he just thinks it. He gets he the flipped, ball, flipped it, flipped it, it yeah. like like a, like a nine iron, yeah. right over everybody, and then she carries on running, and the ball completely onside. And, and, as he yeah, it was a great. It, was a, it would a proper assist. Yeah. You know, I don't like assist, but a proper yeah. assist, and it was a fantastic finish by Inchi. The ball just came over and volleyed it, volleyed yeah. it in, yeah. volleyed it in first time, and you know, um, he was he was brilliant that season. But I mean, I think he only played twenty nine, thirty games because he ended up there uh, yeah. playing. Uh, I'd say having a mix and match but he played brilliantly in centre mid just trying to find his name in my book here but obviously because it's 30 years ago my eyes aren't uh, the best and it's the smallest handwriting in the world this. but yeah the, uh, the Inchi yeah but I think like he uh, he yeah. no issues. he was a key key yeah. player for yeah, well, yeah he, he only played four of the last four 20 odd games yeah, yeah. Was, you know, how again, old was Sheeds at this point? Sheeds was 60, born in 60, 61, wasn't he? So he'd be 26. He'd be coming yeah. into his prime of his career, really. But Absolutely. I think he was, a, in many respects, he was a more round, a better footballer than anything. But why did he only play injured? He was injured, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. To me, one of the most underrated footballers of that team, because Evertonians rated him, but people in the outside world didn't seem to give him the credit he deserved. 97 goals he scored from I think it's because he played career. for Ireland rather than. Possibly, me. yeah, possibly, but he was an absolute class yeah. act. Yeah, I always say about Sheedy that. If any Everton player could put a five-minute DVD together of their Everton career, oh, yeah. a highlights reel, his would be the best. To yeah. knock his socks yeah, off. Yeah, you know, you go, how do you know? You yeah. do things and you go, how did he do that? Yeah. Or, you know, he had he had real variety in yeah. what he could do. You know, free kicks. You know, he could blast them or he could chip yeah. them. But more often than not, in the same game, yeah. he could. You know, he could cross a ball. I mean, he, he always worked well with Hinchy, didn't he? I think yeah. uh, he said. You know, he'd always spot in these runs and stuff. He could cross a ball on a sixpence, but he, he was a great finisher, wasn't he? Oh, he, sensational. You know, he, you know, he, he even scored a few headers, I recall. Yeah, United, he did, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Diving down the Gladys Street end against Chelsea, Bromos, wasn't it? Chelsea, that's with Chelsea, yeah. But he was, I just thought that was his peak year in some respects. And I think the, the thinking was, 
that he would have got football of the year that year, but for being injured, yeah. injured at the tail end of the season. Who did get it? She, uh, Clive Allen did, didn't he? Because he did score fifty goals. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but Spurs were a really good team then as well. Yeah. They did. They well, finished third. Well, how did we get on against Spurs then? We got beat two 0 down there, and we won. It was last game of the season. They, they the title had already been clinched. That was the first game I ever covered uh, for the Daily Post. There, uh, the last match of that season, and um, it was you know the title had been won. We clinched it against uh, Norwich, and then we had the home game against Luton, where it was presented, which was like a great day. You know, yeah. apart from the trophy, that old today league trophy, which was like it was like a mirror. It was um, a hexagonal. Oh yeah, mirror. This, yeah, it did. yeah. And fortunately, which they didn't give us in 1985, but they did this year. They gave us the old-fashioned league championship trophy. Yeah. So they had the two. People just ignored the. T- it was the Today League Trophy, which is the newspaper. They yeah. ignored the Today League Trophy and just paraded. Yeah, that's the one you want because I've seen that thing. Yeah, it's, it's the proper crap. one. But, but that's South, that Spurs game. Uh, if I remember rightly, Derek Manfield came off the bench late on and was thrown up front as a centre forward. It was nil nil. There was nothing at stake, and predictably, Derek he scored. So after the game, I'd gone downstairs and you know I was like a bit of a rabbit in the headlights. Didn't know what the hell I was supposed to be doing. I was there on my own as well for the post. Some things and, never uh, change. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then at the Nationals, because David Police at field. Did, uh, literally an entirely you know, changed 11 because they had the cup final like yeah. about five days later yeah. and they were worried about getting into trouble with the, uh, the football league the Nationals as is their wont had gone downstairs and already collared him without my knowing it and I got some decent quotes from him I'd gone beetling downstairs you know I'd got Derek Manfield but then I was trying to get David please and I saw him walking down the tunnel so I chased after him and said David David can I have a word of course you can but carried on walking yeah. and says David are you worried about you know being punished by the football league for fielding a weakened team no, slam the door. <laughs> so I got a one-word comment. It's that a lie, I suppose. But yeah. they were they were a half decent team that year. Yeah. But, but they did a bit. Dare I say, Spursy and that they were still in three competitions yeah. in March, and then they ended up getting knocked out the League Cup semi-final, lost the FA Cup final, finished in third behind us. But they did they, they did the double over Liverpool, yeah. which they did do us a favour there. To be honest with you. Well, yeah. I, if I can just go towards the running, because uh, there's a number of like really bright memories I've got from from that. We've talked about Chelsea, which was on April the fourth. The following week, West Ham at home. 4-0 and a couple of stories I remember Peter Reid scored this absolute worldy left footed you know bent it into the other corner and uh, again I was just starting you know my journalistic career then and uh, I'd gone downstairs afterwards and uh, Peter Reid came out and he just walked past and just shrugged he goes ah well Rashidi and Chippy Brady on the pitch thinking Brady was a West Ham <laughs> yeah. you know player I had to show him what a left foot was really all about <laughs> and it was great and there was like this fellow in the press box called Denzel Sullivan uh, I don't know if he's still with us but he worked for um, was it one of the new the new Sunday newspapers at the time yeah and I remember he'd uh, he was in the press box and he was like just shouting around anybody know what Peter Reed's nickname is and I said well do you think it's just Reedy okay thank you said, why is he asking that then as the match had finished you could hear him on the telephone to, you know, to his office going uh, and yes and Howard Kendall said Reedy's goal was a gem <laughs> and I said Hang on, <laughs> just like absolutely, you know, manufacturing. It wasn't quotes. one of the upmarket Sundays then. Didn't I think it might have been the Sunday sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely bizarre. Yeah. 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 Because uh, obviously the Witten End is always like full of Everton yeah. ends, but the South Stand, which was like down the uh, entire length of the other side, was just 
taken over by Everton. There must have been 10,000 Evertonians oh, there that day. It was staggering. And Andy Gray was playing for Villa that day. Hmm. And he got a great reaction from the Everton fans. You know, they loved seeing him there. And then she'd scored, if I recall correctly, down the Witten end as well. You know, so, uh, in, yeah, it was, a, it was a free kick into the box. He got heads out and he come yeah. on. And then they had to the alien volleys that into the top corners, didn't he? And it I, was, was, I, was like, I, I was right behind the goal there. But hmm. the, the rest, I'd like to talk about just briefly. There was, there was like a bit of a narrative at the end of that season because obviously we'd gone top against Chelsea but yeah. same points as Liverpool but you're still thinking it's nip and tuck then all of a sudden Liverpool started being very uncharacteristic oh, didn't they faltered, yeah. and yeah. they played at West Ham when we won 4-0 and I always remember there's a couple of games that season the Goddard where Liverpool lost late games yeah. away from home didn't he late away from home and the West Ham game it was a funny story wasn't it because the week before Greg was saying like they'd lost at Wembley to Arsenal and Rush had never never lost when he'd scored for Liverpool. Right, yeah. And he got beat for the first time. He's 160 odd games, he'd yeah. never got beaten. And the following week they played happened at Norwich. Them, it yeah. happens again. They yeah. win them 1-0 and he ends up getting beat 2-1 later yeah. on. So memories memories the end of that season is like people at the end of the games that at Goodison that were already done jumping up and down in the yeah. stands because Liverpool had got beat. And the West, that West Ham game was one of them, but the Villa game was uh, that was one of my favourite away games because it was a really warm late yeah. Easter Easter that that year. And it was it was roasting. Can I just ask? So before yeah. we go on, when did you know? Not obviously it was guaranteed against Luton, but when did you have that feeling in your bones where you just thought, "This is we're going to win this." Probably, the, did you? Probably, probably that Villa game. I think uh, you know, the following week was Newcastle, and that was Wayne Clark's hat trick. And I think you just we accepted that that was going to be the case because there was a situation whereby we knew it was going to happen, and it thought it's going to happen at Anfield. You know, Everton could have clinched the league title at Anfield. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what a celebration that would have been. That was Sheedy's famous free kick, where he gave two fingers to the cop, then ran down the Kemlin Road and did the same. Was hauled in front of the authorities and got away with it. Yeah. And managed to explain something to them that they believed and got away with it. So it was then Man City uh, on the Saturday. City got relegated that year. So it was right. Okay, that's going to be it. Nil nil. We just couldn't believe it, and that's why it was down at Norwich. Yeah, there on the, on the I think I think like the uh, yeah, there was. A, I I was like because of Liverpool at the time, especially after eighty five, eighty six. We, uh, we were eight points ahead, weren't we? Yeah. After the derby in February, yeah. with twelve games left, and they in February, the and then they hunted yeah. us down. Well, we actually finished the season reasonably. We got twenty four points from twelve games. Which yeah. you think you'll take that thirty two points? Liverpool yeah. have got to get from twelve games. We got thirty four. Yeah. So I was never until like the end of the Norwich game. I was like. Never that sort of totally hundred percent because what Liverpool were at the time, yeah. but the Newcastle game certainly because that happened again in Newcastle. We won three 0 after a really poor first half, and Wayne Clark. Just I think we need to talk about Wayne Clark for a minute no, here, absolutely. don't we? Because uh, how they brought him in in the February um, from Birmingham, wasn't it? There was a very iffy deal involving Stuart Storer. Stuart Storer was the make yeah, in the yeah. deal, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, I think there was two players arrived, and no one knows quite why Stuart Storer arrived. Yeah. He never played a game. Yeah, but. I think there was some. I'm not sure, but I think yeah. there's something may have been going on there. Yeah. But, Lawyers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's I think that, that, that was what that was what the story was. But I'm not sure. I think it was just a make weight, you know, as Panel was saying. That's what the story was at the time. Like, but I think it was just it was just a make weight yeah. in, in the deal. Um, and um, we played Newcastle. And Wayne Clark had scored against Arsenal, yeah. scored against West Ham, I think. That's right, yeah. The opening goal, it's always the crucial goal. And then we played Newcastle in a really poor first half, and you're thinking, and he, he come in, he's, three really well finished goals, you well, know. Wasn't it a perfect hat trick? Yeah, it was, yeah. Header, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 
the thing about that game, Liverpool played Man United the same day. And uh, Peter Davenport scored for yeah. United two minutes in the end to make it a 1 0 win. I remember that, everybody at the end, like, jumping on yeah. down, like, you know. And um, I always remember there was a clip on the ITN News that night of the Liverpool fans at the end of the game locked in as you were at the scoreboard yeah. end and the empty stand, and there's just like ever three Newcastle nails on the scoreboard. In the days of like mobile phones, like especially after the year before yeah. and stuff, this take of that photograph, yeah. like you know, tell you what, what Timothy mentioned as well about the rivalry with Liverpool then yeah. because it was as intense oh, it was as fantastic. it's ever been, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it was healthy. It wasn't quite as you know bitter and twisted as it became. And that season actually kicked off with the uh, the charity shield, as had been in uh, '84. And they were great, great days. You know where you would go down, nothing really at stake, and uh, sun shone on both occasions, if I recall correctly. And you could have you know a few drinks and relax and way and you know and not really you know have any kind of like too much recriminations and Everton I think Inchie'd scored at Wembley and we were leading all the way through until Ian Rush as he did scored like a last minute equaliser but there was a feeling then that you know Everton were better than Liverpool and we just felt that you know in the Charity Shield game yeah, yeah. It, but we had a weekend team as well because yeah. the, the, you know the, the, the funny story was that Neil Adams came on as sub wasn't it and got taken off again yeah, yeah. yeah. why he wasn't doing it following Howard's uh, instructions and uh, he said he wanted him to go on and do whatever it was he was asked to do and he was a bit of uh, what's the phrase a blue-assed fly winger um, and then Neil Adams great pace great direct but you know c- could be a bit of a headless chicken at times and uh, he basically clearly wasn't doing what Howard had asked him to do so he'd only been on about 20 minutes 25 minutes and the board went off with his number on and you can see him looking round thinking that's not me what's, what's going on and you know so it got hauled off and got a dressing down by Howard and you know became a much more disciplined footballer yeah. as a result of that but those, those, those three seasons when they were arguably like, but they say the two best teams in England, yeah. and certainly for parts of the period, the two best teams in Europe. And you've seen it at the FA Cup final '86 compared to the European Cup final this year with the yeah. two best teams, and it was fantastic. And you know, um, I think the, the rivalry was just great. And I just remember it being like it was. It was kill or be killed every week, you know yeah. what I mean? You knew that you could never lose. What a season. It just, yeah, just, yeah. In all three campaigns, it's, it's yeah. only, sorry, 85, 6, and 86, 87. And I said the other week when we were talking about the new stadium, Greg, that actually, you know, the city, it's good for both clubs as individual clubs if both clubs are successful because it's, it's, it drives yeah. up interest. And, and I mentioned when we were talking about the, the Evans new ground a few, uh, a few months ago now, isn't it? That... Liverpool won the treble in '84, but average attendance of thirty-one thousand at Anfield, even the best team in Europe. '84 yeah. five, they won nothing, but their attendances went up to thirty-five thousand yeah. because we were successful, yeah. and it just generated interest and banter and. Well, Howard always in, said that in, in, in the city, yeah. you know. Howard always said that each club drove each other on. Yeah, uh, you know, he was very, very keen to you know rail in Liverpool and achieve what they achieved. And Dalglish um, also re- respected and realised that as well. That you know they did inspire each other just seeing one team across the park you know doing well inspired the other and it did they rubbed off each other you know for so yeah, long and it, was, and it was great wasn't it and I just remember like being in work and stuff every week and, and we played a lot of bit midweek games then yeah. as well didn't you, you know and it was just it was just fantastic and um, I was lucky that that was my peak years for going away from home as well you know and um, so I very really missed the game it was, it was just brilliant but that that the end of that season was a bit unexpected because Liverpool just sort of they fell away. They fell away. They, you know, it was I mean, a limp yeah. finish. Yeah, you were expecting yeah. to win the title, but maybe by a tight, tight 
tight margin. Yeah. But actually, Liverpool just uh, lost a, a loads of games away from home. Sometimes from winning positions, and even that Man City game, Prenner, which is I think was the 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 beginning of May. Yeah. They lost late on at Coventry, and so like as you say, if we'd have won that game. We would have been champions, yeah, and yeah. oh, remember though that game? Imre Verardi being Imre Verardi was playing, he used to play for Everton, and it, I always remember uh, Gordon Lee saying about him that uh, you know his pace might frighten his opponents, but his finishing might f- frighten the hell out of me because <laughs> he just couldn't finish because yeah. he was in his area, and he was playing for City, and he was about four yards out right at the end of the game with the park end. I always remember this, and he, he balloons one right on from the underside of the bar and back yeah. out. He would have lost that game, but. Uh, and then we went to, didn't we, to, to, so that put us in a position where we had to win that at Norwich, wasn't it, on the Monday? Were you there that day? Yeah. I yeah. wasn't, I didn't go to that. I was uh, at my, my girlfriend's house in Billings, I think it was at the time, listening to it on the radio. Yeah. So, no, I saw it on the highlights later on that night, on, on not, not highlights, ITN News it was. Yeah. They showed you the image of Howard sitting down in the dugout and missing his seat and going on his backside. Yeah. And then, you know, Van Den absolutely launching more into the roof of the net. And then, you know, the famous story afterwards about Howard telling, I don't know if Jimmy Martin was the coach yeah. driver then, but whoever the coach driver was telling him, don't you dare go over 30 miles an hour all the way home. Norwich is a long way to go under 30 miles an hour. But the players just partied on the coach the whole yeah, way back. It, it just sounded like a sensational, you know, journey. No safe and knowledge secured and they get the trophy. Yeah, no, that, that was, was it. it. Yeah, 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 that was it. So, so, yeah. That, that yeah, clinched it. They got it promote, presented against Luton uh, yeah. the following you know, game. And that was it. Do you remember um, Les Seeley was in goal for Luton? And, they, uh, they could kick, didn't they? Because Peter uh, Nicholas could yeah, kick. And Steve Mick Foster. Was playing, yeah. Yeah, they were real, you uh, never want to lose the game when you sort of... No, they, 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 came, they came to a... Spoiling. We, we, we couldn't beat one now. Yeah. And, uh, Two seven, penalties, wasn't it? In a couple yeah. of minutes, wasn't it? What? Okay. When was the big night out? Uh, separately. When did you... Tell you my big night out. My big night out was in Norwich. Because <laughs> yeah. no, it was similar thing. Like drive home, you were in the van. It was quite one of them days. Like you think, we got missed the goal, yeah. got there late, and uh, but we, on the way we picked up this hitchhiker, and like in the in North, we were driving at Derby Air and like you know, Northampton, middle of nowhere. And there's this fella who's like early twenties in an Everton top. And I thought like couldn't have to pick him up. Like, yeah, yeah. Was, like, yeah. Yeah. So we picked him up anyway. Don't know what he'd been doing the night before. But it was obviously illegal. <laughs> Cause anyway, because we had so the back of the van, we had like loads of bin bags. We had that comfortably went. We had all the ale in the back of the van and bin bags, loads of bin bags empty. So uh, yeah, it's on the, so we then get on this road, and on this dual carriageway, and he goes he goes green, and he goes, oh, listen lads, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> and I go, we can't stop because there's no hard shoulder. Yeah. So it's just you know like stupid things you say, like it just said to him, listen lads. Use one of the bin bags then, and then of course the, the that's to say, yeah. When I said bin oh, bags, I meant no. one of the empty ones, not one, one of the ones full of ale. So like, we had to stop and get a load. You know, as you do, like you know, you had to stop off and get loads of water and watch everything. Because like, when you want to tell you don't matter. It doesn't matter what the ale you drink mm-hmm. is, like you know. But I just remember coming home. We had like the ale that had been like, uh, um, being somebody being out on. And it was just great in the back of the van coming home. And we stopped off at a few pubs as well. And it was it was just it was just fantastic and yeah. got in about six in the morning. It's taken about eight hours coming home. And you just think, you know, and the and, and thing was as well, was you always thought that that's the way it's going to be in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? And well, we'll touch on that. Touch on that later. But, you know, but that was just such a memorable day. 
Um, and I think that's why I said before when we came in, it just seems like yesterday because my memories of it so vivid. are so vivid about it, you know what I mean? And you won the title, and that made Howard Mo- Evans' most successful manager then, hadn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. overtaken ha- Harry yeah. you know. in the space of three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was your night out? I honestly can't remember um, what I did that night. I mean, there's. Uh, Somewhere it was a good night then, obviously. Yeah, no, no, I was, I was at Wigan Way. And, uh, what about, did you knock out after Luton? Uh, yeah, but when, that was in the days when the Westminster, around the corner from the ground, was our preferred drinking hostelry. Yeah. And uh, we used to go there before the game and uh, have a few, and then go there after the game and just stay there until it was you know, far too late. And then yeah. you know, just stumble up to Bank Hall Station and get the train home. So, yeah, that Luton game was, was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, because you know you see the, the trophy getting presented, you know you go down to the pub afterwards, and they used to have a, a pool table in there which they'd put um, like plywood across to protect because people used to put drinks on it. And the people actually on the pool table, you know, sort of bouncing around and dancing and that. Yeah, it's great. Did you feel yeah. as if it would be ever thus? Was it like the start? You did. Of a... You did. Yeah. And um, if you just you didn't think that anything was ever going to change. Yeah. And uh, it was weird. I mean, again, so yeah, I wasn't at that Norwich game, and equally, I wasn't in Rotterdam for the uh, the Cup Winners' Cup. Just you know, couldn't afford it. Couldn't get a ticket uh, for that one. I remember thinking at the time, well, it doesn't really matter because we're such a good side that there will be another opportunity. Yeah. yeah. yeah and you, you you should always you know make hay while the sun shines. That's right. Yeah. You I mean, never you, know what's around the corner. Just I just remembered just going back to the Norwich story that the lads who was the uh, the, the hitchhiker. I, I met him at a pub about twenty five years later. He just yeah. had one of those faces. What? As you do. Just recognised him. Yeah. And I said, yeah. Hey mate, you remember us? I, I, he, he, had, he said, yeah, I remember a little bit of it, like, I don't remember, like, you know. But the loot came, it was my mate who was my best man, he, uh, it was his 21st that night, didn't he, yeah. in the Coconut Grove. Me and him, we'd yeah. been to, we played Oxford in the February, and we'd been in London the, uh, the night before, and we'd gone to Oxford straight from London, you know, for the game, and we were, out, we were meeting one of the lads who was driving us home outside the ground, so we had our, like, bags with us. So one of the Oxford students thought we were players. <laughs> I could, could just hear their accents talk. There's yeah. like young lads with holders outside outside the players entrance. Yeah. These must be players. Come in, lads. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like so Different era. Sit, yeah. Like he was sat in the stand and he said, uh, just hang up, wait, the, the team will be on in a minute. <laughs> like, oh, it's me, right? What's going yeah. on here? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. And then we got rumbled. Yeah. And then we ended up having to watch it from the away end. But yeah, it was different here. Um, in some respects, you know, obviously the facilities weren't coming, especially like Oxford's away, which was like down the back end, so you know. It was an alleyway, actually. Yeah, it wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but um, it just, and you said, I think you did think it was going to last because, yeah. and I think we can't discuss this without talking about the events in the summer. Yeah. Really, which were pivotal, which was, you know, within what. A month of the end of the season, Howard. Yeah. I remember going. I was, you know, we. I was on the uh, coach going to see you two at Wembley and just seeing on Howard. Howard's gone to. Uh, we well, talk about where are we now, Mo? Like, yeah, and, and I was on holiday yeah. uh, in Menorca, and uh, I remember, you know, picking up the English newspapers a day yeah. late as you did, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and being genuinely staggered. Stood there in the streets, you know, just my jaw dropped, just like, oh my god, no. So it hadn't been rumoured. Uh, no, it was complete, quite out of the blue. Well, that'd been away on holiday, but it'd been yeah. completely out of the blue. Completely. Yeah, I mean, there'd been rumours the year before, hadn't it, that Howard was going to go Barcelona. to Barcelona in yeah. '86, and I think uh, that was always the thing about selling Lineker to Barcelona, yeah. wasn't it? You, you poo pooed that this morning, which I don't think that came into it. That Howard would sell Lineker then following and then on, following you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I remember thinking at the time, and I think to be fair, 
a lot of Everton fans had seen the revival under Howard's coincide with Colin becoming yeah. first team coach. And I think at the time there was there was a feeling that actually well Colin's really driving, you know, yeah. one of the driving forces. Which of course he was, yeah. you know, they were actually fantastic combination. Um but that um well if Howard goes we'll be like Liverpool then won't we? We'll just we'll just yeah. promote just the and then like, yeah, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. almost like an underestimation of Howard's genius back yeah. then. It was only like subsequently you became aware of just how much he'd done and how you know how incredibly influential he was. Because, yeah, Colin, they were a double act, you know, and Colin did do so much, but they were very good at their respective roles. Colin was the coach, and he was great on the training pitch, uh, introducing gig and pressing and stuff like that. Howard was the great manager, the man motivator, the transfer market dealer, uh, great with the media. And so the pair of them were a perfect partnership. But you're absolutely right, because Liverpool had done it so many times where they'd replaced Shankly with Paisley, Paisley with Joe Fagan, Joe Fagan with Kenny Dalglish. And, you know, Everson just thought, well, yeah, we'll do the same. You know, we'll have a dynasty. And Colin was a really popular appointment. And yeah. he was decent. You know, yeah. his record was decent. But it, it, without, you know, the two together, it just yeah, but that wasn't was the it. same. I mean, what was missing was, was, was Colin Harvey, the coach for Colin, yeah. the manager. And I think it may have been slightly different for him if he'd had, yeah. like, his equivalence as, as, as coach. And I think, and the Preno's right is that it was, it was it, strange as it seems now because the steam the Howard is, is regarded in that it was underappreciated that was like well it's all Colin this you know, blah 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 but maybe not 100% but when you look back on it now to touch it, you, you, you said uh, David Lacey's words in the Guardian this morning didn't you Preno he was great writer David Lacey you know that it was just a staggering achievement of management yeah. by, by Howard and Colin to win the title because uh, they, they had no right to win the title that, yeah. that year, and having having that heartbreak of the double thing, you know what character for the for the staff and players. I, I think we I think. were we were young men then as yeah. well, Gavin. So you don't actually look into it that closely, maybe as you do with the gift yeah, of yeah, experience. Yeah, a bit, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you know you do you come a bit flippant about it really, yeah. and it's only you know thirty years on where you know you're looking at things now and you're thinking, well, yeah, you know, this could be a turning point for Everton with Mashiri coming yeah. in, and, you know. But back then, you, you accept everything, you know, yeah. you're very, very flippant about the but, whole but thing. But it was something, but about Colin, though, it was, it, was, it was a masterful management performance by both of them. Yeah. You know, so in that, they had no right to do it. Um, but I think Howard, it was just, I mean, that was his peak year and for me. And, and what Plano's saying is right is that he was a master of everything then, yeah. wasn't he? You know, he had, he had no... He no noticeable weakness at all as a manager. He was the finished article of 41. Well, you know what, what, you I, know? what I failed to appreciate when I wrote that piece? I looked at Athletic Bilbao and I thought, OK, you want European football, which is why it left. What had Bilbao done? And if you look at it, they weren't in Europe when he went there yeah. initially. He'd, um, they'd finished champions in 84 and 85, or 85 and 86. Then they'd had two seasons where they just missed out and finished, went into the UEFA Cup. And then he finished 13th which is why Howard went. I'm thinking, well, he wanted European football and yet gone to a team that finished 13th. Yeah. That's, that's strange. But he obviously saw the potential within the squad and he obviously fancied, you know, managing abroad in Spain. Yeah. And he, he, 
you talk about his genius, he took, got that team from 13th back up to 4th again very, very quickly and got them into the UEFA Cup for the following campaign. And then they only got as far as the second round where they bumped into Juventus, who yeah. were a great side back then, probably as good as they are now. And um, they beat them 5-1 in the home uh, leg and then, you know, got beat yeah. in the second leg, but didn't matter, not sufficiently to overturn it. So, yeah, you know, even going into that hostile environment whereby it was Basque only as well. Yeah. You could only sign Basque players. You couldn't just have the pick of the transfer market. And yet you turned that team from 13th into fourth in one season. Great. And, no. you know, it wasn't quite the same when he came back to Manchester City, when he came back to this country. Again, he turned them around very quickly. And they were appalled when he left to go back to Everson. They thought they were heading for great things with Howard Kendall. And he had, you know, achieved decent things with them on the verge of getting relegated and he saved them and got them you know, decent positions in the, in the, in the yeah. division then came back to Everton. It was never quite the same, you know, that second spell, there were moments. But the game had changed, hadn't he? But, yeah. you know, I, think, I think one of the things was, was that um, part of Everton Liverpool's domination at the time was that the big, big clubs had gone into decline over a number of years. You mentioned Arsenal had only started coming back, hadn't he? Man United yeah. obviously you know, were always there or thereabouts, but not good enough. Spurs were always on the uh, sort of on the periphery as well, and it was only like sort of we were the first to sort of break the, the Liverpool domination, and yeah. then Arsenal did, then Man United did, and then Howard had then come back hadn't he in ninety when Arsenal, Man United, and Liverpool were all yeah. strong, you know. So it was, and the finances around the game had changed and stuff, and for whatever reason, for well for lots of different reasons, the playing staff of the club being out of Europe and being allowed yeah. to deteriorate and he didn't have the same quality of player um, but Howard's, I mean, the 86, he was just such an utterly fantastic manager at that time and that's yeah. not really hype or being biased it's just look what he did that season after the heartbreak the previous year uh, with the players and the, and, and the, the obstacles he had to overcome was a, it was just a, a phenomenal uh, <laughs> Management achievements. Yeah. I've just said it phenomenal as a way. We started before yeah. the tape rolled and we were discussing whether or not it should be celebrated, remembered, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Preno, subsequently, like an hour later, do you, do you think it should be celebrated or no? Or? Difficult, really. I mean, when we started, when we came into this room, I said, no, you can't celebrate the fact that it's been 30 years since Everton won a league. But no, I'm beginning to go around to Gav's way of thinking now, yeah, of course it should be celebrated course, because, yeah. you know, it was such a great achievement. All right, it happened a long time ago. That's a different argument altogether, you know, why it's taken 30 years. It's another you know, podcast, yeah, that exactly, one, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was such a landmark achievement. You know, to win it in 85 was, to me, the best season I've ever seen. That was glorious, but it was a one-off. But then to do it again two years later, yeah. underlined this was a great team, not just a team that was capable of Leicester City-style winning a league in a one-off, but to do it subsequently, uh, to win cups along the way in Europe and domestically, and to, you know, just miss out the previous season. Yeah, it, great side, great It is, management. I mean, I just remember then, like, memories. I remember, like, uh, Snodder's goal at Bradford in the only yeah. FA Cup. It was my 21st that night before. I didn't yeah. get to bed till 7 in the morning. Yeah. I was on the coast of Bradford about three hours later. But, I mean, there's. I think there's two sides to being the football supporters. It's your own personal experience mm -hmm. of supporting the team and, and the sort of bringing back memories of away days and great days with your mates and stuff like that. And there's also the collective thing of being part of a large large group you know and whether the large group should celebrate it is one thing but personally yeah. I'll celebrate it 
all day long. In fact, I might do tonight. In fact, <laughs> in fact I won't go back to work. I'll just go to the pub now. You know? <laughs> because it just rekindles all sorts of yeah. personal memories and where you were at the yeah. time, and people you were with, and funny stories yeah. and stuff like this. It's, and, it's, yeah. and being the best team in the country. And for that reason alone, I'd, I'd celebrate it all day long. You know, It's, it's probably no wonder, is it, that there was the club's official celebration of 84 85, you know, that season at the arena yeah. um, on their anniversary. But there hasn't been one for 87. That's probably why, isn't it? Really? Probably because it's so... Yeah, they've done it once, only two years ago. Yeah. You know, why would you do it again yeah. two yeah. years later? But, I mean, that group of players are so tight that, you know, when they get back together again, they have just a great time. And, you know, they're all over the place now. Adrian he's in America now, uh, yeah. you know, sort of managing. So you don't get together anywhere near as often as they used to. Yeah, I mean, it's just speaking, it was good for interviews, like... Arguably my favourite all time Everton player. That he'd obviously missed the end in eighty five, hadn't he? Yeah. He got a championship medal, he's wasn't it at the end of the season, but he yeah. was in eighty seven. And I always felt like really happy for Inchi yeah. being at the end of the season in in, in, in the celebrations. Now just before we wrap it up, I wanna it's a tough one, I'm gonna put you both on the spot. I'm gonna start with you because I always love putting you on the spot. Yeah. One defining image of that season. Just pick one. Uh oh, good question. Um do you want the book? No, 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 no. I think Preno's already mentioned it. Well, there's two, but Preno's mentioned it probably. Is that shot of the ball going over uh, John Lukic's head? Right, yeah. I think that's it, because it was such an I unusual shot. I can't wait to front page, by yeah, the yeah. yeah. way. Un- it was such a crucial game and such an unusual goal and such an unusual photograph. We had no right to score it. That. Like We had no right to win it. And yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think I'd, I'd go with that. Preno? Mine is that afternoon at Villa Park. Um, uh, the, probably the, the one image is after Sheedy's goal and the people swarming onto the pitch to celebrate. That was like always like a bit of a you know a thing back then. But there were so many elements to that game. It was a lovely day. The sun was shining. The place was absolutely swarming with Evertonians. Andy Gray, one of my favourite all-time footballers, was on the pitch and got a great re- reaction. And then Sheedy. Just, you know, a, a typically wonderful finish, you know, sort of clipped into the roof of the net. Just everything about that. And I was also pretty confident then that, you know, that was it. Everton were going to be champions. So there were a number of, number of, you know, standout moments in that season. But, yeah, that, that was probably the one for me. Yeah, there were so many, but that just... say to kindle so many memories, but that shot... I'd never thought about that until he mentioned it. I'd forgotten about it. It was fantastic. Les Seeley kicking the ball out the ground in the Luton celebrations because uh, Everton had conceded, a, they'd conceded yeah. a penalty that Chicky put away. So before he put it away, uh, Les Seeley trying to delay it, uh, just booted the ball over the Gladys Street stand there to get a new ball to bring on. Um, just little things like that that just stick out. Um, yeah, the Charlton game in the Full Members Cup at Goodison was 2 0, wasn't it? Never took a penalty, didn't Never it? Never scored yeah, from yeah, the penalty yeah. spot, yeah. I always remember it was freezing. There was only 7,000 there, and somebody turned it next to the time just said, Oh, somebody just scored an effing goal. Well, do you remember there was, uh, there was always the, the rumour, which Howard has subsequently you know, refuted, that um, Everton didn't want to be in the Full Members Cup, and Neil Adams was so good at taking penalties, Howard had said to him, Neil. Miss, but make it look good. <laughs> so he hit the post. And I've asked him about that subsequently. He yeah. says, no, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. <laughs> so, it's yeah. lots, but I think the Arsenal one for me, but I just think the Villa one loads. Alan Harper's goal at Chelsea. Yeah. Lots of stuff. What's this? Before one, my Liverpool, and that's the screen. Screen, screen, yeah. sport, super cool. If you remember when uh, England English teams got banned from Europe, the yeah. football league, in their infinite wisdom, decided to, uh, as a way of making up, it was just a very cynical way of making sure that they got attendance money. The teams that should have been in Europe all went into a draw for the Mercantile Screens, all the Screen Sports Super Cup. 
And um, Everton were in a group with Man United. Um, oh, there were, who was it? Man United and somebody else. Norwich, wasn't it? Was it Norwich? Yeah. And initially, it started off quite exciting because uh, Everton won 4 2 at Old Trafford. And then they came out and scored in that game. And it was like 30 odd thousand. It was a good gate. Oh, was a, that was a brilliant game. Yeah. Brilliant and then, game. you know, it started dwindling in interest. Until, you know, when the second leg against Man United came around Christmas time, Frank Stapleton scored an own goal, funniest own goal I've ever seen. Yeah. Lineker lobbed it over the goalkeeper. Stapleton went back, being a bit of a smart arse. I said, I'll control it on the line in my instep, and it bounced off his shin and went 1 1 0. Dwindling interest then. And it was, interest had dwindled so much that he couldn't actually fit in the final at the end of that season. So they held it over to this season, which is why it was played in the bizarre time of September. And if you look at the, the names of some of the players that played, in that game, you know, you Peter Billinger's, uh, Wayne Asbor and Aspinall, you know, Neil Points, and it was like a real, you know, second string team. Which, all right, I'm not making excuses here, but that's why Liverpool won three one and four one yeah. because it was a game of Everton reserves. Kevin Keegan scored free kick at Anfield in that game, yeah. but, but that four two game the year before at Old Trafford, that's one of the best Everton games I've ever seen yeah. in the Super Cup because that's where CD scored the header at the scoreboard ends. I always yeah. remember in the second half, I was like, I was right behind the goal. And he, he ate one. I'm going to say about like, uh, it, it probably was caught on camera, but he ate one from 30 yards. It was one of them that sort of wasn't on the ground. It just went like a, about, a, you know, one of them foot off the ground where it just rises. Yeah. And it was, I always remember there was a ball boy right behind the goal. And the ball boy, when the ball went in, the ball boy jumped out, <laughs> jumped out the way of the ball. Yeah. Like, as we, as, as we, I remember like seeing him as we moved forward to celebrate the goal. The lad just, Thought of what was going to miss him because I've never, I don't think even for Sheedy, he's hit a harder shot, it yeah. just went in like like a, like a three support. But yeah, that was just that they were conveniently forgotten about the, the Liverpool uh, the Liverpool games. But we we got knocked up by Liverpool in the League Cup as well in January, yeah. Uh, that was that was was that that wasn't the Gary Stevens, it was with Jim Beglin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, if you, you talk about pace in the modern game now, you watch, yeah. the, you watch the 30 minute highlights of that, that game, yeah, and like 30 minutes with skill. And technique, like you know, that you very rarely see. Oh, the derbies were as brutal as they've ever yeah, been. I mean, yeah. they're absolutely the, the the competitiveness was so intense, it was frightening, and uh, they, they were like games to behold back then, but with a decent spirit mm. as well. You very rarely, well, you never got red cards in them, you know, yeah. You, but you got good players on both teams, that yeah. was the thing that helped. But it was, uh, yeah, brilliant. Superb. Well, I really do hope you've all enjoyed listening to that as much as I have. Um, be back. For the to talk about the Swansea game, <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite the same calibre <laughs> of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, but no, once again, thanks to Dave and Gavin for taking part.